the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Earnestly seek to commend yourself to God as an approved worker who has nothing to be ashamed of, handling the word of truth with precision. We're glad you're joining us for today's program, A Word from the Word, with your host, Pastor Tom, who will unpack for us the richness and beauty of the Bible's original languages as they bear on key words and concepts from both Testaments. Our hope is that your walk with God will be strengthened and deepened, and both your understanding and application of God's Word will be enriched, and you'll be drawn to love it more and more each day. And now, here's Pastor Tom. Hello, friends. Thanks for joining me on A Word from the Word. We've now dipped our toes into the sea of a brand new year, 2022. And friends, I'm convinced that the chorus to a 1987 song called This Means War by the band Petra is as relevant and powerful as it was when first written by band member Bob Hartman. While short, this chorus packs a punch. Just listen. This means war, and the battle's still raging. War, and though both sides are waging, the victor is sure and the victory secure. But till judgment we all must endure, this means war. Friends, we're living in perilous times, dangerous times. In fact, over the last year and a half, we've been forced to reacquaint ourselves with vocabulary we already know, but which came to the forefront. Words like quarantine. The last time I heard quarantine was when I grew up as a kid and our family or neighborhood had kids with those childhood diseases. Maybe you remember them. Measles, mumps, scarlet fever, chicken pox. How about lockdown? The last time I heard that was when I was involved in prison ministry. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Are we being imprisoned against our wills? Over this last year and a half, have there been times when you felt imprisoned? Or how about the phrase social distancing and for a while those TV commercials that encouraged us to stay home? Friends, it's amazing just how accurate the Bible is. Just two-thirds into the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, we read, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And, here's the rub, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner or habit of some, but exhorting one another in so much as you see the day approaching. Friends, we all know God created us to be social beings. Is it any wonder that over the last year and a half, domestic violence increased? 
Alcoholism rose, yet liquor stores were deemed essential, another word that came to the forefront of our public life. Curious, isn't it? Some of us were deemed essential, while others, I guess by default, were viewed as non-essential. Now, those who know me and hear me teach often know well that I dislike, even hate, the English word church that's in our English Bibles, our New Testament. Our English word has both Old English and Germanic influences. German was Kirche, with a K. It looks like Kirch, and when transported into modern English became Church. The New Testament Greek term is actually ekklesia, which when translated properly is assembly, or an assembled group of people for a purpose. By extension it meant community or congregation. It was a first century business term that meant a legal assembly. It's used as such three times in Acts 19, twice translated as assembly and once legal assembly. By the way, all three are not referring to Christian assemblies. It was a borrowed pagan term. So when Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church, he was really saying, I will build my assembly, my community, my congregation. It had nothing to do with a physical building. And friends, this all the more makes that Hebrews 10 verse more daunting, doesn't it? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the habit of some is. And Jesus finished his statement, I will build my assembly with, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I tell you, it sure seems like there's been a lot of prevailing going on for nearly two years. How many of us realize we've been living in a gated community? It sure seems that the gates of Hades have locked us down since churches for a season have been deemed non-essential. I'm curious, friends, have you felt any discomfort or been ill at ease? Being forced to give up assembling with your brothers and sisters in the faith for over a year? How did you feel about not being able to fulfill Hebrews 10.25? Did you feel anything? Now, it's not my intent to play political football here, but it's interesting that Rahm Emanuel, former mayor of Chicago and former White House chief of staff under President Obama, when still a U.S. congressman said, and I quote, you never want a serious crisis to go to waste. And what I mean by that is an opportunity to do things that you think you could not do before. So I'll leave it up to your own sensibilities to decide if there's been some political intrigue at work here. Now, don't get me wrong, friends. I'm a COVID pneumonia survivor. Eleven months ago, I was in a hospital for a week. I'm still experiencing some after effects like fatigue, physical weakness, and lung soreness. And I've had friends who've died from COVID and friends whose family members or friends died. You see, the bottom line is, can we know what the truth is? Are we willing to go to battle or be warring for the truth? I just love how the little letter of Jude begins. I can just picture the Holy Spirit interrupting and redirecting Jude as he writes, 
Dear friends, I I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, but I felt compelled to write and urge you to earnestly contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted or delivered or handed down to God's holy people. And Jude rightly expresses concern for the next verse says, For certain individuals whose condemnation was written about long ago have secretly slipped in among you. Here it's variously translated as wormed their way into or crept in unnoticed or came in stealthily. The Amplified Bible even suggests it's as if they snuck in by a side door. Then Jude continues, These are ungodly people who pervert the grace of God into a license for immorality and deny Jesus Christ our only Sovereign and Lord. Friends, as I said, these are dangerous times. Dangerous economically, politically, medically, and even dangerous socially. I wonder if we have a return to what we've known as normal. Are we prepared for this possibility? Now, honestly, friends, there's a danger even greater than these I've mentioned. It's dangerous spiritually. These are spiritually dangerous times. How many of us can identify false teachers on TV, radio, the Internet, in books? How are we doing at discerning truth from error? This past summer, a friend told me the senior pastor of a megachurch in our county was road-testing the Enneagram error with his pastoral staff, likely intending to share it with the congregation. It was then halted and silenced. But two months later, my friend viewed an online sermon from this church, and the speaker mentioned people's Enneagram number, so I wonder if they went ahead with that false teaching. Friends, do you even know what the Enneagram is and its danger? It's rooted in mysticism and new age. How will you protect your church from its tantalizing grip? Don't be mistaken, you're not immune. Friends, in Acts 20, Paul bids farewell to the elders in Ephesus, whom he discipled for three years and admonished with these parting words, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the assembly of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. Friends, how many of us know what the NAR is and its slow infiltration into the body of Christ? How about the Passion Translation and Brian Simmons or Christ and Me International from Africa? All I can say, friends, is shame on us if we're not savvy to the wolves in sheep's clothing. Now, John was very savvy to the encroachment of false teachers in his believing communities and why 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John were written. I've affectionately nicknamed them 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, the books of truth, lies, and love in action. And I propose that these are books of both combat and love, which at first might seem like an oxymoron. I find it interesting that the early Quakers became grouped with what's known as the Peace Churches, the three historic Peace Churches being Quakers, or Friends, the Mennonites, and the Brethren Churches. Yet, it was these early Quakers 
workers who developed the idea of the Lamb's War. They understood that war needed to be waged against the whole work and devices of the God of this world, his laws, his customs, his fashions, his inventions, and everything that seeks to add or take away from the work of God. You see, friends, the God of this world is at enmity with, in other words, in opposition to the Lamb and his followers. It's why Christ followers are hated by Satan and the demons. Friends, we've just come through the Christmas season. Jesus' first coming was God's spoiler alert, to spoil Satan and his work in the world. 1 John 3, 8 reminds us the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. The devil's work is to destroy humans by magnifying sin, the foundation and strength of his kingdom. Jesus' coming was also to take government back, not nationally or politically, but so God could wholly govern and rule in the hearts of people. Interestingly, from their early beginnings, it was the Quakers who were convinced that in the last days many false Christs would appear, with their false prophets, false ways, false worship, and false worshipers who'd be at war with the Lamb and his followers. Friends, it was the early Quaker Christians who exhorted the assembly of God, the community of Christ, if you will, to weigh its profession with that which cannot deceive, measure one's life by the true light, and examine our Christ with the Christ who is from everlasting and changes not. They were not afraid to ask the hard questions like, have we as Christ followers become at ease with worldly delights while Jesus had no place to rest his head? Are we as Christ followers asleep in the world and not seeing or hearing how Satan is wrecking havoc with Jesus' lambs? Have we joined the lamb's adversary, the devil, by partnering with his works? Or are we armed with the light and with the armor of the lamb to withstand our enemy's temptations? Brothers and sisters, maybe a New Year's resolution should be asking ourselves the sober question, Have I, have we, aligned ourselves with the wrong side? These early Quakers were not afraid to boldly ask themselves, do we as Christ followers take God's commands into our mouths, yet condemn our lives by our very practices? Well, the Apostle John's three letters attest to his savviness and to his concern that his believing communities were allowing false teachings to infiltrate their folds and take root. Friends, this is where the backstory of the first century mystery religions in Greek philosophy helps us discern just what John was countering in his letters. The primary influential false religious system was Gnosticism, acting like a parasite, attaching itself to the Christians in John's communities. Today, in session one of this three-part series, I'm going to provide a super Reader's Digest overview of Gnosticism so we can see why John begins his first letter the way he does. As a religion, Gnosticism was dualistic. That is, it taught that the universe was divided into spirit and matter, as well as divided into light and darkness. Spirit was good, but matter was evil. The Gnostic god of light projected emanations or rays of light out of the universe, but over distance these rays got dimmer and ultimately became dark. Gnostics saw these rays as angelic projections of the god of light. 
Accordingly, one particular angelic being that became dark created the earth, resulting in the earth, in other words, the entire material world, becoming evil. This in turn made human beings evil. In essence, skin became sin. Skin became evil. Interestingly, aspects of this idea infiltrated the Protestant Reformation back in the 1500s, and it's still a parasite in the church today. Acts 17 is quite informative, as Paul met with the Greek, Epicurean, and Stoic philosophers in Athens, telling them his God story. In this mini-sermon, he closed by saying, God raised the man he appointed from the dead obviously referring to Jesus. The text then says that some of the listeners sneered. Now, why did these philosophers sneer? And here's where the religious and philosophical backstory helps us, friends. They sneered because they were steeped in Gnostic beliefs and thought it ludicrous that any god would become a human since humans were part of the material world, making them evil. Oddly, Gnostics divided into two groups, one valiantly attempting to suppress their evil impulses by harshly treating their bodies. These became the ascetics. The other group catered to their evil impulses, thinking, why bother fighting against them? Our material bodies are evil, so let's just give them what they want. These became the libertines, whose philosophy was that as long as their spirits were pure, it didn't matter what they did with their bodies. There'd be no cross-contamination. Oh, but we don't see this behavior in our churches today. Well, friends, let's get right to 1 John chapter 1. And this time, listen to the opening five verses with the backstory of Gnosticism in mind. Today's part one is warring for the truth. And my goal today is to alert us to how John counters the six claims of the Gnostic false teachers. Here's verses 1 through 5. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at or gazed upon, and our hands have touched or handled, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, or was made manifest, or became visible. We have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Friends, the first claim now surfaces in verses 6 and 7. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out or act out or practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. You see, Gnostics held that their God of light sent out emanations that eventually, over distance, faded into darkness. But the Judeo-Christian God has no darkness in him at all. The second claim is in verses 8 and 9. If we claim to be without sin... We deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive 
and purify us from all unrighteousness. Friends, the Gnostics held that sin was not even an issue. In fact, sin had no place in their system. The issue for them was not lack of purity or righteousness, but lack of knowledge, because knowledge led to salvation. The third claim is in verse 10. If we claim we have not sinned, in other words, committed sinful acts, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. And in two one, John continues, My dear children, I write this to you so that you may not sin. Moreover, if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the Righteous One. Friends, Gnostics taught that sin held no danger, since knowledge was the real concern. They denied that outward immoral actions were sinful. Notice that just in verses 6 through 10, we have the repetition of truth and lies. Now, the fourth claim is in chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, but let's work up to it from verse 2. He, Jesus, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says or claims, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. Notice now, friends, that John sneaks the love factor into the equation, and why I nicknamed this series Truth, Lies, and Love in Action. John is revealing to us that love is behind everything we do, including obeying Jesus' commands, and he builds on this in three eleven through 18 You see, friends, the sooner we flush down the toilet this false narrative, this fake news that obeying commands is a legalistic version of our relationship with God, the better off we'll be. From Genesis to Revelation, the scriptures assert and affirm that the God of love gave us commands so we can know and learn how to love him back. If we think the Bible is just a book of rules and regulations, we'll fall into the trap of being ruled and regulated by rules and regulations, and not by the Holy Spirit. Got that? One thing I do appreciate about those early Quakers, or friends, is that they relied on the ministry of the Holy Spirit to rule and regulate people's lives. But even they went through a dark period where they defaulted to control through human rules and regulations, even inventing queries or interrogatives as a way of evaluating each other's spiritual progress. This litmus test became their substitute for the Holy Spirit. Thankfully, a revival jettisoned them out of their legalistic stupor. Well, friends, claim number five is in chapter two, verse six. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. You see, Gnostics believed that Jesus was just another emanation from their God. Their word was Archon. So Jesus held no ultimate authority over them. They didn't concern themselves with living as Jesus lived. 
Finally, claim number six is in chapter two, verses eight through eleven, but prefaced by verse seven. Dear friends, I am not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you have had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet I'm writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister is still in darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they're going because the darkness has blinded them. Now, friends, in chapter 4, verse 20, it may appear that John introduces another claim, but it's really an expansion of claim number 6 we just read, an expansion on the role of love in action. Those of us who claim to love God and yet hate others are liars. How can we claim to love God whom we haven't seen and yet hate others whom we can see? So John expands on his command, anyone who loves God must also love their brothers and sisters. Now we have the full picture, truth, lives, lies, and love in action. Friends, perhaps First John is a fitting foundation to ponder some New Year questions. Have we fudged the truth a little to pacify our sinful bents? Have lies crept into our lives and we now justify them? rather than confess them and purify our lives out of love for God? 1 John 3 3 says, All who have this hope in them purify themselves just as Jesus is pure. Is our love for God and our brothers and sisters floundering a little? Was our love last year? In a year's time, has it grown? Thankfully, friends, we have 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 and 10 to encourage us to excel still more in love for others. In 2022, let's resolve to be loving the truth. Let's be loyal to the truth. Let's be warring for the truth. Well, friends, we're nearing the end of today's program. Our broadcast will close with an email where you may write me. And remember, all of the podcasts are found at faithtalk1360.com. Just search the menu for local program podcasts. And friends, A Word from the Word is a listener-supported program, so if it's blessing you, please join our support team, especially now during these challenging financial times. Your faithful support keeps this program on the air. Just email me for the details. Well, thanks for listening today, friends. And remember, Jesus loves you. I'm Pastor Tom with a word from the word. Friends, if you would like to let Pastor Tom know what this program has meant to you, email him at a word from the word at minister.com. That's a word from the word at minister.com. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.